This is the greatest of all time speeches and journals. Hannibal addresses his soldiers at 218 BC at Ticino prior to battle. If, soldiers, you shall by and by, in judging of your own fortune, preserve the same feelings which you experienced a little before in the example of the fate of others, we have already conquered. For neither was that merely a spectacle, but, as it were, a certain representation of your condition. And I know not whether fortune has not thrown around you still stronger chains and more urgent necessities than around your captives. On the right and left, two seas enclose you, without your possessing even a single ship for escape. The river Po around you, the Po larger and more impetuous than the Rhone. The Alps behind, scarcely pass by you when fresh and vigorous, hem you in. Here, soldiers, where you have first met the enemy, you must conquer or die. And the same fortune which has imposed the necessity of fighting holds out to you, if victorious, rewards than which men are not wont to desire greater, even from immortal gods. If we were only about to recover by our valour, Sicily and Sardinia, wrested from our fathers, the recompense would be sufficiently ample. But whatever acquired and amassed by so many triumphs, the Romans possess, all with its masters themselves, will become yours. To gain this rich reward, hasten then and seize your arms with the favour of the gods long enough in pursuing cattle among the desert mountains of lusitania and Celtiberia, you have seen no emolument from so many toils and dangers it is time to make rich and profitable campaigns and to gain the great reward of your labors after having accomplished such a length of journey over so many mountains and rivers and so many nations in arms. Here, fortune has granted you the termination of your labours. Here, she will bestow a reward worthy of the service you have undergone. Nor in proportion as the war is greater name, ought you to consider that the victory will be difficult. A despised enemy has often maintained a sanguinary contest, and renowned states and kings have been conquered by a very slight effort. For, setting aside only the splendour of the Roman name, what remains in which they can be compared to you? To pass over and silence your service for 20 years. Distinguished by such valour and success, you have made your way to this place from the pillars of Hercules, from the ocean of the remotest limits of the world, advancing victorious through so many of the fiercest nations of Gaul and Spain. You will fight with a raw army, which this very summer was beaten and conquered and surrounded by the Gauls, as yet unknown to its general and ignorant of him. Shall I compare myself, almost born and certainly bred in the tent of my father, that most illustrious commander, myself the subjugator of Spain and Gaul, the conqueror too, not only of the Alpine nations, but, what is much more, of the Alps themselves? with this six-month general, the deserter of his army, 
to whom, if anyone, having taken away their standards, should today show the Carthaginians and Romans, I am sure that he would not know of which army he was consul. I do not regard it, soldiers, as of small account, that there is not a man among you before whose eyes I have not often achieved some military exploit, and to whom, in like manner, I, the spectator and witness of his valour, could not recount his own gallant deeds, particularised by time and place, with soldiers who have a thousand times received my praises and gifts. I, who was the pupil of you all before I became your commander, will march out in battle array against those who are unknown to and ignorant of each other. On whatever side I turn my eyes, I see nothing but what is full of courage and energy, a veteran infantry, cavalry, both those with and those without the bridle, composed of the most gallant nations. You, our most faithful and valiant allies, you Carthaginians, who are about to fight as well for the sake of your country as from the justice resentment. We are the assailants in the war and descend into Italy with hostile standards, about to engage so much more boldly and bravely than the foe, as the confidence and courage of the assailants are greater than those of him who is defensive. Besides, suffering, injury, and indignity inflame and excite our minds. They first demanded me, your leader, for punishment, and then all of you who had laid siege to Saguntum, and had we been given up, they would have visited us with the severest tortures. That most cruel and haughty nation considers everything its own, and at its own disposal. It thinks it right that it should regulate with whom we are to have war, with whom peace. It circumscribes and shuts us up by the boundaries of mountains and rivers which we must not pass, and then does not adhere to those boundaries which it appointed. Pass not the Iberus. Have nothing to do with the Saguntines. Saguntum is on the Iberus. You must not move a step in any direction. Is it a small thing that you take away my most ancient provinces, Sicily and Sardinia? Will you take Spain also? And should I withdraw thence, you will cross over into Africa. Will cross, did I say? They have sent the two consuls of this year, one to Africa, the other to Spain. There is nothing left to us in any quarter except what we can assert to ourselves by arms. Those may be cowards and dastards who have something to look back upon, whom flying through safe and unmolested roads, their own lands and their own country will receive. There is necessity for you to be brave. And since all between victory and death is broken off from you by inevitable despair, either to conquer or, if fortune should waver, to meet death rather in battle than in flight. If this be well fixed and determined in the minds of you all, I will repeat, you have already conquered. No stronger incentive to victory has been given to man by the immortal gods. Well, what a speech. <laughs> it's easy to overlook the brilliance of this particular speech because it's so supercharged with grit and adrenaline. Um, but make no mistake, Hannibal, he chooses his words carefully. In the early paragraphs, he, he's carefully separating his army from his foes by pointing out their accomplishments, of the accomplishments of his own army and the failures of the other armies. 
yeah, you'll see athletes do stuff like this. You know, you, you, next time you're watching a game of whatever kind, you, you'll find somebody he might look into or she, for that matter, they look into a camera and they'll just tell you how amazing they are. And, you know, it, it comes off as, as extremely cocky, but the reality is, is they're laying a foundation in their mind for a future battle that they are able to handle it. I mean, you try it yourself. When you leave your home tomorrow for work or wherever you're, you're going, go find a mirror and look into it and um, and speak out loudly of any achievements you can think of um, for yourself. I mean, talk to yourself about your skills, your strengths, and then leave and see what kind of mindset that puts you in. And you'll get an understanding of what this kind of speech does. The, the other thing Hannibal does, he, he ties their cause to the gods. And um, in other words, you know, yes, they're going to go to battle, but one, they are a far superior army, and two, the gods are with them. So, I mean, there's a fighter in the UFC. He's one of the greatest ever, and his name's John Jones. And he has a tattoo on his arm, and the tattoo basically says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Can you see the parallel to that message to Hannibal's and what they're trying to do? So firstly, understand God, then align with God, then act with God. This is part of Hannibal's message. You know, in other words, this is God's army. Hannibal's army has made their way from the pillars of Hercules himself. You know, so that message is a powerful one. And then on top of that, he attacks Rome uh, as an enemy themselves. You know, it's, it's time for payment. And the only payment that's worthy of all these battles is the travel to Rome take all of its riches and uh besides that rome is a wicked nation according to hannibal <laughs> they control everything they take everything they want control hannibal and his people to the point they don't know what their future is well no more says hannibal so whenever i read a speech like this i just think there are two words that come to mind the first is cause and hannibal has a cause rightly or wrongly he will fulfill his destiny in the name of this cause and secondly faith I cannot believe, and this I can't state this enough, the actual confidence it would take to give a speech like that in the name of death, that all the stresses and the concerns of all the men in that army, they all the concerns and sickness and, and ill health, and despite all of that, uh, being in foreign lands, despite all of that, he's able to speak like it's a foregone conclusion, that we will win, that we're so great, that they can't stop us. And then they go and achieve it. And he also, so he has amazing faith in himself and in his army. And he also has faith in a higher power. And it's this entire entirety of faith that enables him to achieve such incredible success. Hannibal is truly one of the greatest tacticians we have in history, but his ability to speak is also of the highest order. Thanks for stopping by. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and together we can share history's lessons with the whole world.